I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Gems, crystals, crystals, gems. All the heart chakras are open. I'm going to uh, I want share information about crystals and gems with you, everyone. So if you don't love them, tune out now. No, don't leave us. Don't leave us because we have a great podcast. One that April was not here for. That's not why it's great. It's always more great. See, bad grammar. It's greater. It's always, it's always better when April's there. Um, but she wasn't because I went my own way in L.A. She went on a podcast. You went on Emily's Sex podcast. Emily, yeah. I don't know when that one is coming out. Maybe it's already out. We don't no, know. No, I think next week. Oh, it will have already probably be out then. Yeah. Okay. Well, you went on a podcast, and then I went on a podcast, and we did a dual release. Sometimes we have to divide and conquer. We divided. We conquered, and now we're back together again. Uh, So this podcast is recorded with Aaron Alexander of the Align Podcast. He is a rolfer and movement coach, um, and we're both talking about all kinds of things, not just sex, but he does share some stuff about multi-orgasms for men and ejaculatory control in his practice and how he learned and how that's affected his life. But we talk about all kinds of fun things. His podcast is pretty big, right? His podcast is really big, and he uh, and Instagram is 39.9K followers. Ooh. So if you want to learn more about him on Instagram, go to Align Podcast on Instagram. And, and if you're um, not following Shameless Sex, go to at Shameless Sex Podcast on Instagram. Yeah. We put out a lot of amazing posts. Yep. Yep. Go check and us out. Sometimes we give away free stuff. Uh-huh. And we have a blog now. And we have a blog. We'd be blogging. I have, well, I have 1,500 words. Or you're almost ready to post your blog. <sighs> yeah, but I have to pre- proofread it. And then you have to go in and add all the links and things and pictures. So I'm a perfectionist when it comes to writing. I know. So this one's taken me a long time because we've been busy all last week. It was crazy. I know. Yeah. So it's going to go up. Amy and I are switching off weeks writing. Yeah. So. Yep. So I'll be next week. Yeah. We're blogging. Blogging. So about the gems and crystals, though, everyone. Yeah. So, um, April, have you ever had your chart read? I have. You my have? astrological chart. Both my Vedic chart and my Western astrology chart. Did you learn lots of things? I did. I actually really value getting my charts read. Wait, didn't even your chart read help you to figure out what if you should stay married or not? No. No, that was a psychic. Okay. That I had. <laughs> no, but um, before I actually committed to going forward with dating my current partner, uh-huh. I had to know the time he was born. You did you did the charts. I did yeah. my compatibility charts with uh-huh. him. Vedic compatibility. And uh-huh. then later after we were dating, because I did get the green light, uh, I went into I, and that's something that maybe not all folks believe in. I know a lot of people think it's like junk science. It's not science at all, but astrology is very ancient mm-hmm. and actually has some very beautiful tie-ins to so many parts of your life that you, I don't know, can kind of relate to. Yeah. 
yeah. aspects about yourself. I find it. I find it absolutely fascinating. I'm just o- always open because I think it's also open to interpretation too, right? Yeah. And so that's the empowering piece for me is that someone can give me a whole bunch of information and then I can choose to do what I want with it. They're not telling me how I should live. Yeah. So I had my chart read. It was absolutely fascinating um, by someone named Julia who has a website called empoweryourelements.com and she does free 15-minute discovery calls if you want to learn more mm-hmm. um, to find out if it's for you. But Okay, so if you're in, in, if you don't like gems and crystal talk, you can just chill for like a minute, and we'll be back to the sexy stuff. But <laughs> so I discovered that I already knew this. That I was a, um, I have a lot of water in my in my chart. Which yeah, is because you're a Scorpio rising uh-huh. and a Pisces sun. Uh huh. What's your moon? Gemini. Gemini moon. So the interesting thing that she was saying is that the, because I have all which I have all this water in my chart because the questions she was asking me about water I didn't really identify with like mm. really overly sensitive not overly but super sensitive crying easily all these things that are a little more watery and so the Gemini part is actually um gemini moon part is what kind of gets in the way of that of is that me. air is gemini air, air yeah. yeah super heady and kind of like overly logical and so i trying to kind of justify things and not allowing myself to feel a tendency to detach from my feelings mm. um which i thought was really interesting to just see because i that that rings so true for me um and so that that's kind of my work here is to um to be able to allow myself to feel more, which is what I'm constantly working on. But I guess mm-hmm. it just feels good to have a reminder that that that's just like a part of me, yeah. you know. And so I'm, and and then there was also an interesting relationship for me between the masculine and the feminine, um, and that that it's like a challenging relationship, which I, you and I both feel with this balance between masculine and feminine. That sometimes we go too much to one side, a lot more to the masculine as well. So it just really showed me these really interesting things that I just kind of it kind of like empowered me in a way where I could feel more, I don't know, like more like, Oh yeah, that, that makes that's like, that is, that's, that is a challenge for me. And yeah. it isn't always, it's just, I'm not broken. You know, it's a, something that I can learn totally. and work on. And then it just gave me some really good questions on how I can move forward. So I just wanted to share that with you because I'm super And people can about learn about what, what their sun sign is, what their ascendant sign is or rising sign. And then what your moon sign is. The, yeah. the, the astrologer will go, deeper into that they, they personalize it for all you. the yeah. all the closest women to me in my life like my best girlfriends are all scorpio rising it's yeah. bizarre uh-huh like how does that happen yeah, I'm, I, I'm scorpio rising too oh. i'm cancer sun scorpio rising and taurus moon so i'm double water earth double water I'm fucking stubborn oh yeah oh stubborn and i don't cry ever but when i do it's nasty i bet that earthiness <laughs> is getting in the way of your wateriness uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Are we not. talking about ourselves too much now? I don't know. <laughs> Gems, crystals. Me, 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 me. Um, so if you want to learn more about that, though, go to empoweryourelements.com and you can learn more. Um, it's She's she's awesome. She's, and the way she's, she speaks, too, is like, it's for uh, everyday folks, right? Like, I think some of the astrologers are kind of like already living in the stars. And so I can't understand them sometimes. It's like, what, what language are you speaking? And the way that yeah. she speaks, Julia, when she does your reading is just like, you get it. She's speaking to you. Well, so certain really astrologers are better than others. There really are. And um, some of them, when you, when you resonate with one, it is like, it's like making a friend. Yeah, you find the right one for you. Yeah. yeah. So definitely, uh, Julia would be a good resource. Yeah. Um, Check that out. Check it out. Check it out. Uh, Okay, so before we dive in the podcast, we want to talk about OMG. Yes, we talk about it all the time. But if you, if it's your first time tuning in, or you haven't actually ever even gone on their website, just go to omgs.com and check it out. It's sixty-two episodes on season one of external. 
um, vulva pleasure, vulva stimulation. Yes, and, and, and techniques on how to, things that you never thought were even possible or, or maybe thought they are possible, but they are not what you see on porn that you have maybe have never tried in your body. And once you do, you're like, holy shit, I'm having way more powerful orgasms and I didn't even know that that was possible. They're real humans. Yeah, real, real humans. Real people. And yes. they're not actors. They're not paid yeah. actors or anything. So Completely research-based. Yep, and all different ages, all different vulva. Yes. And vulvas obviously come in so many different shapes and they're like fingerprints everyone is different yep. so and if you go to their website they have some free videos you can watch on yeah. there too so uh, when you actually uh, you buy season one and it's really affordable you get five dollars off with if you go to omgs.com backslash shameless you get five dollars off of 39 dollars, and then you can watch them unlimited amount of times forever yeah um but they have some free videos so you can get a feel for what they're talking about very very tasteful yeah. it changed my life and it changes the lives of my clients all the time and you could always go to shamelessx.com and click the OMGS link on our homepage. Do it, do it. We love you yeah. so much. All right. Um, anything else before we go in the podcast? Oh, I guess if anybody hasn't bought their gifts for whatever, birthday month in February, Valentine's Day gifts, you could go to purepleasureshop.com. And buy some gifts. Woohoo! Yeah, we have sexy the gifts. Coupon code is in the beginning and the end of this podcast, but yeah. um, you get fifteen percent off with coupon code Shameless PP in all caps. There you go. Look at all our wonderful shout outs. Oh, and then the one other shout out too. We have our online workshop, How to Be a Badass in the Bedroom. We decided that for the next month we're cutting the price in half because we want to we want to make it, it affordable to all and run a special because yeah. it is Valentine's Day. Some people. Might just want to like kick up their erotic life, and things should be affordable. Like we, we really, this is a free uh, avenue for you all to listen. Um, but we also want to make things affordable and accessible. We give away some really great tools, and, um, and this is specifically for female-identified folks about how to be your most badass erotic self, including tapping into your body, into your desire, and then some touch stuff, and really how to just be your most sensual, juicy self. Um, and if you're someone that struggles with that like we do, right, we teach you the tools that that really have been working for us, but we want to make it more accessible and affordable. So go check that out. Go to our website, shamelessx.com, and if you click on workshops, uh, it will all be on there and it is half, half the price, price. $99 gets Get you it. all yeah. the access to the videos we love and you. only until about March 1st yep so if you know or you didn't know now you know if you don't know now you know Chip should we do this podcast thing let's do it well I'm doing it you're leaving oh, I'm going to listen to it <laughs> you listen here ready for I'll press play <laughs> for I'll you right now I'll see you all later <laughs> bye are you ready for the Unleashed Tour where shamelessness, sexiness, and laughter collide in a hilarious orgy of fun, discovery, and sex edutainment. Embark on a captivating nationwide journey with the Shameless Sex Podcast and an electrifying ensemble of sex educators and sex-positive entertainers as they bring you an unforgettably titillating live experience. Be a part of mesmerizing, entertaining, boundary-pushing acts, shameless sex style. Ever heard of the Slurpee stick shift? Want to learn how to bury your face in her? How about some dirty talk improv or brat taming 101? Hmm. Get ready for nonstop laughter as our charismatic hosts and entertainers weave humor into the fabric of this liberating celebration of sexual diversity and freedom. 
engage in interactive segments, Q&A sessions, and a chance to connect with like-minded individuals in an inclusive and empowering environment. Listen up, Portland, Chicago, Seattle, we're coming to you. For more information and to get your tickets right now, go to shamelesssex.com and be part of a night that will be fun, educational, sexy, hilarious, and shamelessly unforgettable. Seats are filling up fast, so don't miss out on the most unforgettable show of the year. I own vibrator. Yeah, yeah. I've got all the stuff. It's just it's just for your fascia. I wonder what kind of sexy things Which we can do. Which even a sexy vibrator is for your fascia. Uh-huh. It's gonna be good for some grinding against. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeez, grinding. Yeah, it's got all these wonderful textures. Hmm. I like that. What are some of the sex toys that are like that people What's the starting point for sex toys? The starting point. Like you're brand new and you've never done any sex toy business yeah. before. Yeah. Um, like traditional, uh, what's that? What do they call that? Manual? What's the, what's the traditional one? The guys? Missionary? Missionary. Oh, yeah. For like a missionary <laughs> person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just like missionary. I just. I, got, I don't have I tools. Just, I just stick it in and it happens. Yeah. Where do they start? <laughs> For those people, it depends what they want because there's such a diversity of the of what's available. You want something that's going to stimulate the penis. Is it? A, are you talking about a straight couple here? I guess if you say missionary, then maybe you're referring to that. Mm. Are we talking about um, a, what a vulva might want for couples play, for solo play? Um, as someone who uh, has spent many years of the beginning of my career in the human sexuality realm, working in um, a very sex positive sex shop. Uh, that my mom and I started years ago, over 10 years ago, um, we get those new people. And like what, they come in like, I don't know what I want. What's, what, what's the best? Like, I mean, we got to really narrow it down to the individual and what it is that they're interested in. Uh, because what one person's idea of the best is, is or, or what works, is going to be completely different for the other person. Are vibrators ruining women for penises? They're not. It's uh, <laughs> Sorry, penises. It's the vibrator's fault because you know that the Can't pussy is up. just there for the penis. <laughs> That's the whole purpose. Um, no, because it doesn't change your anatomy. It's just changing your, you know, the neural pathways in your brain. So you get off to this vibrator and your brain says, whoa, it took me only two minutes with this really powerful thing. And then the penis comes along and you're like, well, this is taking a lot more than two minutes. I just want my vibrator. Mm. So it's just the conditioning in here that we get stuck on. You know all about this, about how we get stuck in these, these loops and these patterns. And especially if it's from our first sexual experiences, right? If I had my mm. first orgasm from a very powerful vibrator, that is setting a default for the standard of what that which I am looking for or think that I, I need or I'm used to. You can unlearn that as we can unlearn and learn anything we want to. It just takes time and practice. Part of that would be don't use the vibrator for a, a while. Start using your hands or only penises or non-vibrating objects and things that are body-friendly and safe because um, not everything is. And then you train yourself. And it, kind of, it, takes, it takes practice. But that's sex is good sex, great sex, connected sex, is a practice, it's a meditation, it's a single point of focus on that one thing. Is it the touch, is it the sensations in your body, is it the moaning of your partner, um, is it the temperature in the room, is it the smells, you know, it's, and then if, but if you're here in, in, in all that, but you're thinking about what you're going to have breakfast for breakfast tomorrow, or what do I look like, and what do I smell like, and am I sweating too much, and do they even like me, and what are they thinking, and are they gonna fuck me again tomorrow, I don't know, ah, you're not here. 
It's not great connected sex. It's not a meditation. It's just oh. fucking. It seems like meditation is really beneficial for sex. It's a, it's yeah. It's what we call a precursor. It's like oh, something or, or prerequisite, right? Are you writing that the down or something? <laughs> okay. I like that. No, I'm going to turn the heater it's on. Like, I'm going to write this I'm on my whiteboard. We're having a conversation about sex. I want to heat it up. Yeah, you just yeah, you just went from the idea of having the door open to keep it cold. <laughs> now let's crank oh, it up. I just noticed there were sounds coming in and such. Are you trying to get me to It's not my perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's my move. <laughs> it's getting a little hot. Less is more, everyone. <laughs> I, yeah, that's when I teach people about sexual pleasure and they're like, how do I have better orgasms or how do I connect to my desire? I ask, that's one of the beginning questions. Do you meditate? And and they most of them will say no or I have and it's so hard and I hate it and I can't sit still and 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 I tell them that's picking up some sort of meditation practice and there's you know this too right there's so many things available and it can be d- per mood you know maybe one day sitting isn't my thing so I need to do a walking meditation or a dance meditation or a shaking meditation yeah um, but once they start to cultivate that practice. It trains the system more on how to have that single point of focus and be less busy. Yeah. And this is spoken also, I can tell you, I'm a pretty heady person. Like, I'm talking really fast right now. Um, you can tell I'm just... I, I, That's it's, why it's, I turned the heat on. Yeah. That's for me to slow down. No, not You're for trying you. to manipulate me. <laughs> well, we're always manipulating each other. That's true. Hot tea does the same thing, too. Uh-huh. It makes us feel warmer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's like studies around that where people, if you give people See. a hot beverage, ah. yeah, and then they say like they're the one specific, I think it was like job interviews, and they gave people like ice water, and then they gave people hot tea and coffee and warm stuff, mm-hmm. and then uh, they had this the the subjects in the study they said like okay what do you think about that person, uh-huh. and when they have a hot beverage in their hand they're like oh I think he's just so like warm he's and so homing yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you give an ice beverage like she was a frigid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, that's good that you picked that up. You're very yeah. you're very observant. Yeah. Um yeah, so I was literally that's was my my kind of sort of subconscious conscious intention yeah. of heating the room and it's so down. And we do hot tea and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, that's one thing for me as an as an educator and I also um work with clients privately coaching and and have the podcast. So I I'm using my voice constantly and I've been doing this for over 10 years and I really last year I was like, wow, maybe the year before, it's like, I really perfected my art in my offering with people, except for the fact that I talk too fast. It's a, a, that's my, my one piece. I mean, there's probably other parts, but there's what, there is a part of me that I still have to work really hard to slow down, and that uh, does ha- show up in sex at times, too, and mm-hmm. where I need to really work, which, I mean, I'm, I'm a human, that's as we all are, but so I, I identify with all the folks that have a hard time slowing down and getting in their bodies uh, because for me, I'm, it's a constant practice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're always, we're literally always tuning each other's nervous system, mm-hmm. which yeah. is a really interesting like, thing. Like, am I vibrating it with you? I don't know. Totally. Yeah. yeah. No, you can really. feel when you're that's not too. Talk. Like, we're vibrating at completely different levels. Oh, yeah. Know, this guy's weird. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it could have just been that you couldn't figure, like, his the music that that person creates could be perfectly relevant in like Morocco or something like that, but mm-hmm. they, they, it doesn't attune well with you for some reason. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's, it's, uh, but it, it's interesting with like, and that might be like a, a strange analogy that nobody understood, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, there's a, there's another study in relation to, uh, our tone and the way that we communicate to each other. Most of us, we actually communicate each other via, 
body language mm-hmm. and then via tonality is the next one. Mm-hmm. This guy called Albert Moravian. I promise I won't just talk about those the whole time. Um, <laughs> but a guy called Albert Moravian, uh, Harvard study back in the 60s. And got into, it's called the 55-38-7 rule. So 55% of our communication is body language. Mm. And then 38% is tonality. And then 7% is actual words that we speak. Mm-hmm. And so that's in relation to if there's conflict. Mm. You know, so if I say something to you, but my tone starts to kind of shift and, or I, you know, I start talking really fast, mm-hmm. you know, or, I mean, you can hear when someone is, um, you know, nervous, like you can read scared, s- nervous, scared, uncomfortable, lying, any mm-hmm. of that stuff, yeah. you know, and it's like the words that they say, you just don't give a shit. You yeah. 7% give a shit. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other whopping 93% is like, okay, what am I actually reading from this person? So are you throwing, bo- is body language the same as just the energy that you're showing up with it's just because to me I, I i wouldn't call myself an empath and yet i can really feel think i feel i think i believe yeah. i can really feel people i can feel if we are vibrating at the same level and that to that to me is there's this communication going on there that it has nothing to do with the, or that i i don't think has much to do with the movement of my body per se, mm. you, know, you can I can feel that just sitting with someone and our eyes are just connecting. We're not moving, and but maybe there is body language in there that you're speaking to so as well. So much, yeah, for sure. We're always mirroring each other. Yeah, you know. So right now, like you'll notice, we'll start to, <coughs> and, and as you talk about this stuff, it makes it weird. But um, <laughs> you'll notice throughout this conversation, we'll start to change positions. Now we're both mm-hmm. in like a sukhasana. We're all like upright and yeah. starting, and no, yeah. you know, and like right now is like <laughs> rapport building. Uh-huh. You know, or like, so we, we, you, you'll generally start off mirroring each other if you're yeah. an effective communicator mm-hmm. because people trust themselves. They trust their own tribe. Yeah. If someone's too different from themselves, then it's like, oh, stranger, yeah. keep out. Stranger danger. Yeah. yeah. You know, so if you want to sell somebody a car or whatever, a sex lube recant or something, <laughs> you, want the, you want the person to be like, oh, like, I really get Amy. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like understand her. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I, I like, she was like, she was like my, 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 my cousin, like my family. Yeah. It she got like, me. I don't even she know She just why. totally she got did. me. Yeah, uh-huh. I felt so safe. Yeah. It was the same thing. Like people love their favorite word in the world is their own name. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you can say Amy and you can look like Amy and all of a sudden Amy's like, I think I like that person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I what it. it is. There's something about <laughs> going like tangent from that, but using the name piece um, <laughs> that there, there was this person that I, I dated who all they had to do was take their hand on my wrist, look me in the eyes and say, Amy, and it was the hottest thing, quite mm-hmm. may possibly hotter than, you know, pulling at the back of my hair or rubbing your fingernails. There's something, the name, you know, mm-hmm. that the invite in, and there's the body contact, but there's also the grip and the eye contact, and then it's just like Amy, and there's a part of me, it's like, oh, you know, like, and there, I think it kind of speaks to that a little bit, like, he he, he gets me, and, yeah. um, and there's also a little like, dominance piece there, too, but the name was just... Yeah, it's like, it's, to me, it feels like you're you're being supported and held as a woman. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, like, swept and away, dragged off into yeah, the like, bedroom. Like, wow, he's strong, <laughs> he's yeah. stable, there's uh-huh. probably a, so much, like, millions of bits of information that you're gathering just from In the that way that he gap. holds your arm, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and then the tonality of his voice as mm-hmm. he says, Amy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like there's there's so many different factors in that, and you can break it down. It's just like, okay, let's get the book out, and you're just okay. So <laughs> say name, grab arm, yeah. perfect. Like that's not gonna work. Yeah, no, nope. <laughs> yeah, you can't really study that that you know? piece. But to so that person that got you all hot and bothered from that little gesture, yeah. they probably have a pretty strong background of of empathy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and being able to attune to that moment, and and probably like integrity and all those like buzzwords that we were talking about that we find annoying. And transparency, and transparency. Authenticity. <laughs> I'm hanging on my bio mat right now. You are. Side. Your left knee is getting <laughs> spiritually stimulated by the amethyst crystals. So spiritual. We're sitting right on now. a bio mat. I'm not. I'm actually. I'm actually off. If I put um, my yoni on there, will my yoni become spiritual? Oh, for sure. <sighs> yeah, this is actually specifically geared towards yonis. Enlightened pussy. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I came over here <laughs> to Good. enlighten my pussy. Good. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's. I. I. That's. If we can start to pay attention to those little things, and then you also have to let it go. Like there's a an interest. What was it? Uh, you start off unconsciously incompetent, and that's like the worst place to be. That's where most of us are in a lot of ways. So you're unconscious of your incompetence with a thing, mm-hmm. and then eventually you start having conversations like this in this specific subject, and then you start to become consciously incompetent, mm. and you're like, oh fuck, I've been. I've been talking too fast. Yeah. And I'm like, God, that, well, now I see it. Yeah. And then from there, you can move into, okay, now I'm starting to become consciously competent because mm-hmm. I'm practicing and cultivating my skills. And then eventually, you become the guy that's grabbing your arm and says, Amy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he's like probably unconsciously competent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you can get through that arc yeah. where eventually there's just this fluidity of the way that you do whatever that your craft is, mm-hmm. just being yourself could be your craft. Then that's that's when that's that's where the money's at. Well, the first step is the awareness and having some sort of ability to be an observer of your of your process of of the, that's like the initial step there, which has been so powerful for me to watch all the ways in which I um, have been so unaware of myself. And the minute I become aware, it just opens up the door. It doesn't mean that it just changes overnight, but now I'm. I'm an observer and have more ability to make different choices and to um, and to learn more and to try things that I normally wouldn't. I, like it, it helps me to step outside of my patterning, which applies very much so to sex mm-hmm. because people, especially those first sexual experiences, we develop this foundation of the way we will be. You know, our first masturbation practices, you know, you're 12 years old and mom and dad's going to walk in the room so you got to diddle yourself as hard as possible, hard and fast. I and like that diddle yourself. Diddle, yeah, you got to diddle. Yeah, yeah, just go diddling away. Diddling. You got to get it done in 60 seconds because I can walk in at any minute and then when you have your orgasm, you can't make a loud sound and, you know, you had a good time, but as you got older, you notice it's really scary or challenging to make sound when you have orgasms. And you notice that you tend to like harder, faster sex or stimulation, whether it's with other partners or with yourself. And that set that default, but a lot of people aren't aware. You know, they don't have the ability to to witness that part of themselves. And then we're dealing with the issue of this is just how I am. You know, we still live so much in this this culture and this world that um, doesn't like to question the way they are, especially around sexuality. Mm. It's like the, sc- the scariest thing, especially men. I mean, women too, but a lot of the men that I work with, because it uh, it threatens their whole identity, your masculinity. We're men. We're supposed to know how to fuck and how to totally. please a woman. <coughs> and yeah, if you ask the question, it immediately denotes that you don't know the answer, which yeah. means you're less of a man. Uh-huh. 
feels yeah yeah and that's so, well, how much pre- that's so pressuring do you, do you feel that <laughs> i mean do you how do I does feel it, which? how does that res- that are you, how is it for you to admit that you don't know the answer or if it were to, i guess to come down to sex to admit that you have room to grow learn and be better it's a practice yeah, yeah the more confident that i become with something like anything sexuality in this case the more open i am to asking questions uh-huh. there's like an arc there too yeah. i think yeah when you really don't know anything you'll put this front up like okay fuck I don't want people to know how little I absolutely know as you start to progress with that we're like okay I have like a toolbox yeah how do I sharpen these tools mm-hmm. um not to say that I do or do not have any degree of whatever toolbox with with anything but I it's I've I've noticed myself throughout the years becoming more confident with just acknowledging how little I actually know yeah mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't threaten your whole identity I mean you don't crumble no I I like it now yeah yeah, I like being in those instances. Like vulnerability is something that's probably one of my biggest mm, like obstacles, which mm. isn't the best language for it, but like yeah. Is it scary? Showing your vulnerability, expressing Getting it. Getting a lot better it. with it. But yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, we so I was really obsessed with like rock climbing and like extreme ish type things, you know, to kind of like express that I'm masculine and mm-hmm. courageous and all those things. Mm-hmm. And um I I, I think along with that part of that was kind of filling in a deficit of actually being able to show up in maybe like one of the more courageous ways is just like being totally vulnerable with another person, mm-hmm. you know, telling somebody like, well, I think I have feelings for you. Yeah. I feel things. like, what? Yeah. What is, <laughs> like, Oh cool. What is that? You know? And, and you potentially you're like putting yourself up on the chopping block. I'm learning how to be. And now to me, that feels actually like the base jump or that feels like the, and it's, it starts to become like an addictive thing. Like, Oh, I'm in this situation again where I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it feels like I'm skiing down a hill real fast, you know? So as opposed to actually feeling like I just need to do those adrenaline sports, Mm -hmm. there's all these other little micro adrenaline experiences you can get. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest ones is just, is just like showing up in a vulnerable way with somebody. Well, you used to mention the chopping block and what is that chopping block? When you express vulnerability, now you're on the chopping block. You know, what happens, what happens up there? Well, they can like abandon you. Okay. So I gave you, I showed you my heart and then you leave and now I'm even, even more pain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh So it's risky. It's risky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so if you have uh, some degree of like a seed of abandonment in there, um, then, which I think probably a lot of us do and I maybe don't most, even realize yeah. it. You think it's most? I think most people have some. I mean, when you, you think of a child in the crib, every child had a moment when they were not taken care of. It's impossible for every kid to constantly be, t- be taken care of when they needed it. There was, I mean, every kid had some moment when they were crying and they no one showed up for them and they felt... And they, to them, they are not going to call it abandoned. You know, they're two. But it brings up this feeling of whatever they can work with in that moment. So I, I think that some people have major abandonment stuff. I think to a certain degree, everyone has a little bit of a something. Of, of, I think it's just a part of being a human. Mm. Yeah. How yeah. does one start to whisper work into it? that stuff? Yeah, uh, There's so many different parts of it. But uh, one is... Um, I, <clears throat> I do a lot of work around uh, attachment stuff, so attachment wounding and knowing what your attachment style is. And you probably have learned, heard all about this. You I'm know, a anxious, what's oh, that? That's anxious a avoidance, one. yeah, right, secure, um, and to know the degree of that. What happens when you get in an argument with a lover, or a partner, or someone? Do you want to stay, or do you want to run, or do you want to grasp? You know, and if you're anxious, you're grasping. You're like, to please don't leave me, which is related to abandonment. It's that if I if I grab you, you and you won't leave me because I'm kind of holding you down. But what that does is it's uh, overwhelming for the person being 
grasps, right? Or we're in some hard place and uh, it's we're in an argument and I have a desire to run. I want to shut down, run, get out of here, I, or I get really flooded easily. Um, and that's also related to abandonment. It's safer for me to get out of here so you can't hurt me further. And then there's you know, secure folks who can kind of hang out there. All right, this is really hard. This is uncomfortable. I might want to run or grasp. I'm going to stay right here. And most people kind of fluctuate through them, but I think they say statistically that 50% of the population um, would be secure. Now, if you're a single person in your 30s, you're like, where are all the secure folks at? You know, they're in relationships um, <laughs> because they're secure. Um, and, you know, I'm someone I would identify as uh, secure with uh, anxious tendencies mm. um, when, when in relationship to a, an avoidant person. I wonder if you could affect that through uh, tone and, and pacing of language and stuff. There's so, yes. It's, I mean, it's, it's all completely related. All of it is just, yeah. It's every little minute aspect of the way that we show up and communicate can trigger these little things. And I had said, I also listened to a podcast where you said you didn't like the word trigger, which I, I get love that you I said that. I get triggered that. by the word trigger. Do you get triggered <laughs> by the word, this is a, just another tangent, but do you get triggered by the word trigger because you think people are a little too trigger happy and they abuse it? Yeah, yeah. I just, I have red flags for almost any progressive new age speak. Okay. So it's just it's just that it's progressive new age, and then that, and it's when it becomes. It's because I live in. Uh, we we've talked both of us live in Hawaii. Yeah. Where it's like the the new age mecca of all things like fairy dust, mm-hmm. and so now I'm uh, now I have like PTSD from all that. Aww. <laughs> you need to go do some medicine therapy for your PTSD. I so. Well, I don't. So triggering for me because my understanding of trigger is that there's a response in your body that you really don't have a lot of control over. You know, it's, I'm shutting down, I'm profusely sweating, my heart is racing, I feel nauseous. Um, it's a, a, a trauma response. Yeah. And people will say that when they're irritated. Like, I'm so triggered by that bright light over there right now. Like, you're not fucking triggered. You're, <laughs> it's a, it's, you're irritated, which you have control over. We can, ha- we can control irritation, annoyance, but people just abuse it because they want you know, the world is supposed to take care of their triggers and yes triggers are real when people leave their bodies because you're disassociating because something reminded you of something fucking terrifying mm. um but yeah so i like to use the word more which let me, this, let me throw this at you see see how it lands yeah i'm trying to receive this activated oh wow did, it, did you get it ptsd it reminds me of charcoal are you, are you triggered right now <laughs> <laughs> You're not triggered. No, no, I'm not too triggered okay. by that. Okay, good. Oh, it's fine. Well, and so I, I'm uh, not even yeah. triggered by the word triggered either. I use the word triggered all the time. I just mock myself every time I use it. You're it's a great of, word. You're one of those people. It makes a lot of sense. It. You get triggered by the light, don't you? No, yeah. I noticed there was. I was in a a, a, a class. Uh, you might have heard this, but I was in a, a yoga class one time, and and the yoga teacher used the word trigger in a in a, a way that I really liked. She was, uh, she said, "Never waste a trigger." Mm. which I thought was really cool. What was she referencing? When you notice those moments where you are, you know, just like a really like benign example would be like someone cuts you off in traffic and you like, blah, like mm. middle finger, like, ah. mm. you know, it's like, dude, like maybe they were pregnant and they were yeah. like trying, or maybe that, you know, there's all sorts of different, like why, why did that spark you up yeah. so much? Mm-hmm. So now you get to look in, that's, you, you get to actually perceive, that's like a filter. You can, you can yeah. examine a filter. And how can I start to maybe shift that filter so that it doesn't actually like give me this surge of cortisol and all the stuff? Is so when you have trigger? those moments, you can step back and look at it as yeah. opposed to just like, blah, and then... 
Yeah, it's like the the flag waving that says there's something here to look at or work yeah. on. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of like there's something so wrong with me, I need to get rid of it. I'm broken. Yeah, yeah. Most likely, this has nothing to do with the fact that the person cut you off. Yeah. You know, most likely there's other stuff yeah. here, mm -hmm. you know, or you, when you just get uncomfortable with a person for whatever the reason is, mm -hmm. you know, you're just like, wow, I want to like run the fuck out of the room right now. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe there's a legitimate reason. Maybe there's like, they want to like kill me or something, um, but probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's probably, probably something inside of me. There's probably yeah. something else there. Yeah. Yeah, there's some some work I need to do. Do you notice any of those with yourself? With with other people is and there how any I consistent like triggers to overuse that word. I'm, yeah, I won't I would call it triggers. I have this thing that I just recently in Hawaii when I was just in Hawaii in, in Maui, um, I was on this beautiful kind of hippie co hippie commune land. Of course. Um, and gorgeous land. These people like live off the land. Like all their food is just from the earth. It has its own water source. It has its own beach. It's just they walk around naked. It's just like oh. Mecca. I feel so challenged by that place. It's not the land. It's um, the, and it, so I will say I get activated. I don't get triggered because I'm not leaving my body. I'm not, my heart doesn't start racing. I'm not freaking the fuck out. What's happening to me there is it's bringing up my stuff about not belonging. Oh yeah. Uh, it, in it, it's, it's, and it's the way that people relate. And because when I come there, I'm I'm just another person coming there. They're not like, Amy, hi, we're so happy here. They're they're tending to the land. All they want to do is work on the land and play music. And um, it's a really beautiful way of being. But I realized through that, it brings up a lot for me of like, do I fit in here? Do they like me? What's going on? So just this activated state of just questioning myself, and then seeing that opportunity to say, oh, okay. There's something to look at. Here's here's a way that I get in my own way, and and and, and if I was unconscious about it, I'd be saying, you know, it's it's them. You know, they're they don't like people. They have bad social skills. Da, da, da. I don't, right. Actually, no. It brings up something in me where if people aren't going out of their way to approach me, or if my, my you know my jokes aren't landing, I'm a very playful person. That's how I feel safest with people is when they're silly and playful, yeah. and you know, there's laughter and lightness. And it doesn't need to be that all the time, but. Um, when I'm going to say the word sacred, oh, trigger. Um, <laughs> when, you know, even the profane is sacred, right? We can just be like, ah, I just want to let loose and be ridiculous. And yeah. instead of going into that, like everything is love and I'm just like, oh God, give me a break. And, and I love some of that too, but it, it, there's this part. So I saw that I saw, okay, yeah, this is, this is why I am not feeling like I fit in because they're not really resonating with the way the way that I communicate or the way I speak, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, we're vibrating at different levels, and that's not on them. And a lot of it is on me because it's my interpretation of all of it and work that I haven't done on my ability to um, fully feel loved in my own skin everywhere I go. Which I don't know if I'll ever get there. Do you anyways, have a sense of where that comes from? Um, childhood, of course. Um, I not exactly that I've always been that person well that's, I don't know how related that is I've always been that um I'm very social I have a lot of friends I'm kind of like the the centerpiece connector for a lot of folks I'm a caregiver caretaker um overwhelm myself with going outward but part of that is genuine because I love taking care of people it feels good and part of it is also because I don't want to lose the love so if I give you all the love and here's all the love for me, it, it reminds my system that I, I in turn will usually get loved back. 
So there's a defense mechanism there or a mask that, um, and I watch it when it comes in. I'm like, this, okay, this is coming from authentic, authentic, I would say it, authenticity, an yeah. authentic place of, it just feels fucking good to take care of people right now. Like, look at how happy they are or loved or, oh, it feels good. And then I can see also when I'm doing it from a place of um, obligation so I don't lose the love too. Mm. So I think it's all just kind of related in there. How can a man show up in such a way to make you feel secure? Well, first of all, it's not his job. It's my job to, yeah. to do that. Um, do and by you, I mean work. like just in general, I mean, like, like yeah. men in the world with women. So you're talking about as a partner or um, how men can be allies of women in general? Or, or what, what is there? As a partner. As a partner. Um, th- again, it's gonna be, the di- answer is going to be really dynamic, but vo- vulnerability. You know, if he's showing up with a mask on and not sharing his truth. Oh, did it again. You can use all these words. I know. I just like that. It's certain people that I'm like, Truth gets me, though. People are like, I'm in my truth. I'm like, ah, spiritual bypass. Um, But when when you can feel that, because you can feel, I feel this, this is an energy thing, right? Like a sense of safety when I can really see him. Whereas if he's pretending like everything's okay and I can totally tell that there's something else there or he's not showing aspects of his heart, his fears. Uh, I, I know that you have fear in there, but you're not talking about your fear. Mm-hmm. Um, all the, you know, all those aspects of that come with vulnerability where, that we don't want to share because we don't want to be seen as weak. Um, I feel safer and supported and secure when he shows up and doesn't have to lay it all on the table. You know, like I meet him five minutes later. He's like, here's all my problems. Yeah. But that he isn't afraid to reveal them at the right times. Um, it, I think that's really big and, and hard. And that's been hard for me at times. I'm not going to say that I've mastered the art of sharing all of my vulnerability as a woman who's had the conditioning from my father of um, there is such thing as too much emotion, and especially with the masculine and um, you know having experiences as a kid of crying and him laughing in my face for crying and... So I've had to do my own journey. So I, I totally get it. Hmm. So, yeah. What I mean, was, What was the circumstance with that? We don't need to go like... The story? Yeah. Uh, it was... I, for, I forgot exactly what it was. And, and it might be my early teens when this happened. But there was some sort of argument. Um, and and I just... went When we were talking, I started crying. And I, I, think, I think I was trying to share how hard whatever this conversation was for me. And he just kind of laughed with this this tone and this energy of you shouldn't feel that way and that's you know that's my interpretation but I don't think he actually said that but it was to him it was kind of like this is ridiculous yeah you know that thing which tells my system okay yeah I, I can't show this stuff here it's not safe it's not welcome and in fact it's probably wrong which I know better now but it'll still come up especially yeah. with the masculine at times I find it really helpful to acknowledge that uh, your parents and just everybody, so they're just people going through their own shit. Oh, yeah. You know, and so anytime it's like hurt people, hurt people kind of thing. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, I say and, that a lot. Yeah, you know, and so being able to step back and see that as opposed to it being like he was doing this to me, not in your situation per se, but just in a situation, they were doing this to me. It's like just acknowledging that they, that's coming from their timeline of yeah. some trauma. And it's then all of a sudden, me, it, yeah. yeah, it's not yeah. about you. And then all of a sudden that, that, that feeling of abandonment or fill in the blank thing, not being felt can turn into like more of a thing of compassion. Mm-hmm. of like, Oh fuck. Yeah. 
you know, that must, must be hard. Really being him. sucked being yeah. him. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forget about me. Totally, yeah. <laughs> that must have sucked. Yeah. Well, and I like to create daughter. space for all of it too, because yeah, in that moment <laughs> now, now as I do learn more and in, in, I'm doing various trainings in the psychology field, and I'm doing a training called um, Hakomi, which is a really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Hakomi? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, holistic psychotherapy practices mindfulness and loving presence and. Um, the more I learn about that, the more I can see people just hurt little kids having big yeah, adult man. tantrums. You Look know, at so Trump. I, yeah, like, and so it, but yeah. Oh my God, the biggest. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh jeez. Nothing yeah. for or against or whatever, but he's like mm-hmm. a big screaming child. Yeah, big screaming. Child Whether you like him or not, like that's like if you don't see that, like come on. Yeah, yeah. And they, people actually do little like art sketches of that, you know, parodies of him totally. being like this big screaming baby. But and then look at really all that is. he has to in, be insecure about. Yeah. Have mm-hmm. you seen his goddamn hair flap? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> like he hides it. It's, yeah. That's. I he mean, does all that work. We to all hide know. It. We all know. Yeah. yeah I'm like, <laughs> you're not getting that one by us, just so you know. We've it's, known for a long and time. So when you look at those those physical outcroppings of mm-hmm. a deeper insecurity, like the, yeah. the hair crop is a beautiful example of it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you could look at it as just as simple as like, oh, well, he's just got shitty hair. No, what you know, what it's like. Yeah. Well, he he is what he is. He would have the option to just be like, this is what it is. Yeah, that would be a way more vulnerable, mm-hmm. honest way to show up. Yeah, but instead, you go to all this work to cover it, and now you have people whispering and making parodies and cartoons and all that stuff about you. And so that's just like a really interesting micro example of like hair crop thing. Yeah. into whatever the 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 stuff below that is into this now outcropping of us talking about it here. Yeah, and mm-hmm. random. You know, the house in Santa Monica. Yeah, <laughs> we love you, Trump. You know, I think yeah. it, it, uh, he's probably hurting more than anybody. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I heard Chris Ryan say, I don't remember if it was on a podcast or in person. I, maybe he said this to me in person. And I think he said, he's like, you know, no, it's maybe a podcast. That uh, you know, I really don't think anyone truly loves him, and that he knows it. Like yeah, genuinely it. loves his heart. That and that he actually knows that that's true. But if you're blocked. From allowing that, mm-hmm. then no one would ever have the option they, to. Yeah, they can't. Like, the door's closed. Yeah. People can be lining up out front, but they're not going to actually get through. Well, my so it comes down to the individual to figure out, like, how the fuck do I open the door? Yeah. If you, <laughs> and, that takes and then I would have discretion about who I let in the door. Yeah. I don't know. It takes a very <laughs> aware <laughs> being. I, I just, I don't think he's ever going to do it. But there's, you know, this is the difference between the folks who believe this is just how I am. And I'm going to fight everything against it, against everything else, because I'm so prideful and stuck. And and especially if they're in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and they lived their entire life with that story, it's pretty depressing to all of a sudden realize that your whole life has been a lie. So they're probably never going to do it. The chances are that they would to just finally say, "Oh yeah, you know, I there's some stuff in here to work on, and I could live a much more loving, joyful life if I actually." Face my mommy issues and my daddy issues in the way that they didn't show up for me because that's chances are that's what it is. I don't know anything about Trump's parents, but I'm pretty sure they weren't very loving. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'd like yeah. to yeah study that maybe yeah know what's about that. But you know, in, in my dad's case, um, that's very mu- it's it's mommy issues. Like I can see the writing on the wall that it, it's it's very clear. So I'm able to see him as that. But one thing I did want to say as you said the compassion piece. So I can see my dad, you know, he laughing in my face when I'm a kid crying. Um, and I can still now as an adult finally find compassion and, and see him in that light. So I want to create spaciousness for that. But I also want to create spaciousness for my anger too. Sure. Right. And I think we also, a lot of folks believe there's one or the other. You know, if I'm compassionate and loving and I see him as the hurt child, then there's no room for anger. I've let go of my anger. And that 
I think can be really harmful because then we're stuffing something that might be there for us. We don't want to create anger if it's not there. But um, so for me, I'm letting all be here. Like I, I see it's hurt person. He's a hurt person hurting people. And I'm fucking angry about it too. And, you know, and I'm hurt and I'm sad. And I'm still, I'm having current day issues um, now as well. And he's also starting to lose his memories, all this. So daddy issues over here. How does, how does one explore anger? Um, the like healthy healthy ways. I don't healthy is yeah, kind whatever. of a limiting word, well, but yeah. Whatever, what are the many ways? Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, um, <laughs> let's yeah. burn some stuff. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> well, and I think that can be healthy. I think the unhealthy ways to bottle it up, pretend like it's not there, shaming yourself out of anger. Especially women are doing this, and that they're you know women aren't supposed to be the angry hysterical one. Especially if we're in the conscious world, right? I'm, I'm a conscious being. Right. I can't be angry. Peace and love, everyone. Fuck that. That is not true um but it so the first step is to feel it some people have big blocks to be able to feel it to even know what does anger feel like in my body what are the physical symptoms what happens does my heart start to race do i get really really hot when you know the somatic stuff there and then to uh, create whatever outlets to channel that it's not punching someone in the face i don't I'm not going to put that in the, unless it's consensual, but I'm going to put that in the category, probably not the best choice. Um, but it's, to me, it seems like a somatic process. You mm-hmm. know, and something needs to move energetically. It's usually not just meditating the anger out of you. you know, it's like maybe letting yourself move around the room like a wild animal and you're stomping and shaking and pounding things or you know, people breaking things, you know, literally actually breaking things. For me, I did this thing in Hakomi actually, can you break down what Hokomi is? Hokomi, yeah. So Hokomi is a holistic psychotherapy practice and training. And um, to me, as someone who works in this field, I'm not a licensed therapist. Um, I, I'm a rebel who went to school for psychology and human sexuality, but refuses to spend 10 years in one institution and likes to do all the little individual trainings that really speak Hokomi's to me. Hokomi is not Peter Levine. Um, no, Hakomi is no Hakomi is. Oh my gosh, Ron Kurtz. Ron Kurtz. Yeah, it's who's no longer alive. I think it's Ron. Yeah, Ron. Yeah, Ron Kurtz. And Ronnie. Ron. Oh, Ronnie. <laughs> Ronnie boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, it is a so a, a holistic psychotherapy practice that is all about what's happening right now. Yeah. They don't go deep into story which is what most cognitive psychotherapy is. If you go to school to go become a therapist, oftentimes they're doing talk therapy. And we're finding, as you probably have had guests speak on here, or maybe if you've been to therapy before, that just talking about your problems doesn't necessarily fix your problems. It can alleviate some of the weight on your shoulder, and you're not feeling like, oh, I have to carry all this. But you still have the guck in your body. And so what Hakomi does is, you get a little bit of conversation. Oh, hey, how are you feeling today, Erin? What's what's going on? What's what's present for you? And you're like, oh, this crazy lady Amy came over. She wouldn't take her pants off. It's really frustrating. I was super. <laughs> I got a real hot in there. I tried to turn the heat up <laughs> and made her some tea. She's talking I opened really my, fast. My freezer door. Yeah. She, she shut wouldn't, it down. She wouldn't crawl in my Everything. freezer. Everything. Uh, and I'm really. All I'm my just, And I go, oh, it's done. And so what you would do is you would contact that. You say, oh, yeah, this sounds really challenging, huh? <laughs> And the, or whatever, really, it really there's a lot, a lot of anger in there, huh? Whatever is present, and they, if you're wrong, if it's not anger, then you would say, and I'm, I'm not, I can't teach Hakomi, by the way. I'm just giving you a general idea of what I know because I'm still in the training. Yeah. Um, but if you're wrong, it's perfectly fine because it'll bring up something else for them. And if you're right, that's what they're really feeling. Then you just go deeper into that, 
And you, you have to do it in the container of mindfulness. You know, if they're not in their body and they're not present, so meditation can be a part of it, various practices to get them here. But the idea is that if they're here, present, they feel safe with you and you're in this bubble and you work with whatever is here in this moment, in this feeling place, you go through layer, 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 and all of a sudden, quite often, they're like crying as a five-year-old and pulling up some old stuff that they never knew was there, but they're able to get the missing experience that they never got during mm. the old wound. It's the most beautiful practice. And I have not mastered it. I just finished year one, um, do year two, and continue to do that work. But to me, in the therapy world, that, or medicine therapy, with you know, taking specific medicines, MDMA, psilocybin, with therapists, um, or uh, EMDR, kind of like the the creme de la creme of therapy. Which have you found the most impactful for your own? Hakomi. And, and oh, medicine. Right. Uh, but medicine work, I've done a lot of medicine work, but it's, <clears throat> I've only done one session with a, th a therapist. MDMA does not work in my body. Um, I took too much in 2010, so I don't know what that, what that did, but it's not a, there's no, there's nothing good there for me anymore that I can tell unless I just have a big mental block. But, hmm. Um, you a lot do of some hakomi about your MDMA. I know. I think it may be. I do. I'm really <laughs> angry about it. I am. I get disappointed. I went. I did a guided therapy session with someone and um, just felt all the creepy, crawly, EBGB things and was not able to feel any of the heart. Still had some really good stuff that came out of it because the therapist was great. But um, how much did you do? Do you remember? I don't even remember what I did. I think. It was 90 milligrams is what's coming to mind. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, it used to work on me back in the day. but And it was um, like a professional, professional thing. Yeah. Did you yeah. pay him? I did, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And That's still had some really exists. good stuff coming out of it. But um, I could have had that stuff without the, the medicine. It wasn't medicine for me, right? Because it yeah. gave me these other things. that It was so distracting. My jaw was like, I, was like, I can't. It's hard to be here. Right. Um, but yeah, a lot of the medicine work. The medicine work to me. Um, that I do uh, as my as my practice, uh, my personal practice, helps to show me the work. And the therapist that I work with separately has nothing to do with the medicine work is what actually gets me to move forward. Right. If I just rely on the medicine to show me, I might just, because all I'm still, all I am, all I have is my brain, you know, what I already can only access. So I would just continue to make those choices, but I need my, my mirror my guide, my um, Hakomi, I have an amaz amazing Hakomi therapist. I'm pretty sure she's not even human. I think she's an angel or something or an alien. Um, but she guides me. Do you do therapy at all or have you? I need to. You need to. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you need to? <laughs> because Everyone I think we to. all need to. Yeah. You, so you've never experienced No, I've been to a couple. I don't think okay. they were very good, but that was probably my own blocks. Yeah. I was well, like, this guy's bullshit. There's some not like so good therapists. You're looking at a clipboard, bud. Yeah. It's just, what mm, are you doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. How does that make you so feel? So I ended up, I think I'd probably be like a difficult therapy patient, but I'd love to find somebody. But I ended up, this is probably my own like ego, or I ended up feeling as though I was therapizing the person. Really, maybe uh -huh. I was getting like reverse therapized and didn't even realize it. Yeah. But yeah, I need I need to find somebody that's like... A good Hakomi pretty, therapist pretty when you're doing that and you're playing therapist and, you know, because you're the one like, I don't know, and here's, I, I know why I do this. These are da, da, da. They'd say, sounds like you got it all figured out, huh? Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. As I'm saying that out loud, I realize that that's yeah. what that is. Yeah. But if you're looking at a clipboard while yeah. you're talking to me about my feelings... Yeah. Yeah, you like I can write, I can go write in a journal. Yeah, you know, I can talk there's on a podcast like, about apps. my feelings. I yeah, I can get an app. I can talk to a friend. I <laughs> yeah, I don't need I don't need this. Yeah, it's I mean it's powerful work. It, it's and there's 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 we're still learning so much about it, but it's been a, a major game changer. And then of course bringing that into sex the sex and relationship world. You know, if you're especially if people are partnered, 
Um, and they've never done work around childhood wounding and everyone has it, you are in the playing field for all this shit to come up. And that's what relationships are. And a lot of people try to fight that, right? I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Like, relationships should be easy. Mm. Why are we... This is, And then maybe the, we're not right for each other. Maybe you're not. Or maybe you also one or both people just haven't done the work. But that work shows up everywhere. You know, it'll show up in your loverships. It'll show up in your friendships. It'll show up with your family. Um, should you choose to do that work. It's very rewarding. It's exhausting, but it's really rewarding. Mm. Are you in a relationship right now? I am. I'm in a partnership of five years. Um, we have broken up 2.5 times and <laughs> and um, done all the things, you know, did the, did the monogamy, the open, the unethical polyamory, the cheating, all the fun things. Um, are uh, currently coming out of a monogamous place into monogamish-ish of figuring out what that looks like now. Do you think polyamory um, is, or do you think there is, there is? what do you think about all those things? All the things, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think different strokes for different folks. Okay. It just depends on, on you. I think there's so many factors on how we're raised and the capacity we have to work with shared partnership and sharing of bodies. And we can, of course, learn anything. It's just also a willingness to learn and... And I think that some people are just much more monogamous than open. I think some people are much more open than monogamous. And it just depends on you. I and mean, at the end of the day, we make our own rules, but most of us are just stuck living someone else's rules. And so once we figure out what our rules are, the world, you know, the world is your oyster. And that applies to your relationship status. What's up, shameless sex fam? Is your sex life important to you? Hmm. What about your relationships? And also, let me ask you this. Who can relate to this story? Things were once so good in the bedroom with my partner, and now it's a mess, and I don't know what to do. Where's or, my happily ever after, Yeah, where's Amy? my ha- Yeah, yeah, what about me? Or how about so many aspects of my life are fantastic, but when it comes to sex and relationships, I feel so lost. Yep, been there. Uh, mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. And this is why you all need Shameless Sex, the, the book. book. We give you simple, simple solutions and a framework that you can use. You can customize it to you. Yes, you gives you the tools, the right tools for your sex and relationship. So you get what you desire and it's fun. It's playful. Right, Amy? We're always playful. It's kind of sexy. And did I mention how easy we make it for you? You have to check out Shameless Sex. Plus the testimonials, they're coming in from everywhere. And this book has helped people just like you recreate and create the sex life of their dreams. So you can do it too. Go to, where are they going, Amy? Shamelesssex.com. Oh, how easy is that? Just go to shamelesssex.com and click on the book, okay? And you can get it however you choose. If you, you want, want hardcover, yeah. audio. Hardcover? We got you hardly yeah. covered. <laughs> mm. So I don't think there's, there's not one way. I and mean, there's not one better way. I know people that are monogamous that shame themselves because they think the open is the superior way. I know people that are open that are highly judged for being open because monogamous people think, not all of them, but some of them think that's the superior way. And like all, all of you are wrong. All of you, you know, there isn't one superior way. Seems like looking at a relationship from more of like, and is amorphous the right way? Like fluid, mm, mm-hmm. you know, being open to it changing. Like just because we were monogamous six yeah. months ago, it's okay if things change in two years yes. or today or, or tomorrow. Yeah, it could be yeah. completely different. Yeah, yeah, they I get so sad. It takes a lot of way. pressure yeah. off of things. And yeah. It's just like we're just we're a team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
you know. That's the beauty of a relationship. One, it can be the playing field for working out. It's not the, it's not where we're supposed to work out mommy and daddy stuff. It just happens to be where it shows up. And then if we think that our partner is supposed to heal that for us, then you got a big problem. Right. Um, it's not their job to heal your mommy and daddy issues. Um, but relationships are also this really beautiful place to create this like this like I'm you know this I'm either I'm your rock or we're a team or whatever that is and yeah we might venture out and share experiences with others but how beautiful is that that you, if if this is your dynamic that you can come together in this really united way in fact sometimes it can really build up relationships in a beautiful way are there any like sexual exercises that stand out for you to help people with their their sexuality, like, like any kind of sexual practices that stand out for, I mean, it could be like muscular exercises mm. or it could be like partner exercises or anything that you found helpful. Yeah. Um, well, one I'll say is masturbate. Oh, good. <laughs> you want to have better yes. sex with your partner, <laughs> have better sex with yourself first. Um, particularly, I mean, I'm, and I obviously I, I, mean, I love sex toys too, but uh, you with your own body, I think is really helpful to know what your body likes with your own um, hands or your own body's movement, maybe not even using hands or your own breath. Um, so that's, I think, a really important thing. If you don't have a great relationship with your own body and your own sexuality through you, then it's going to be hard to do that, or if you're, especially if you're relying on someone else to do it for you. Um, one thing I think I love for partnerships, because we're so, or loverships, whatever you're doing, we're so on this goal-oriented world of getting from point A to point B, right. and you miss out on all the yummy things in between. Point A is arousal, point B is orgasm, and then C is nap time or snacks or whatever you do. Call an Uber. You call an Uber later. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't spend the night. So sorry. Only if I love you will I do that. Yeah. And what I do you think about spending the night with people? Not to divert. Uh-huh. But, but I think that's an interesting, I promise we'll get back yeah. to the other thing. But <laughs> sleeping beside somebody is, I've heard one sleep doctor person talking about it that I found his perspective interesting where it's like we like, eat separate bowls of food and we sit in separate chairs and we do all this stuff that it's like culturally normal to be like, yeah, we do that separate. Yeah. And then with, from his perspective, cause you know, I think certain people do better sleeping with people at, than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it is kind of interesting. I've never really thought about that. Of like, yeah, that's interesting. That's just like the cultural norm that like you have to sleep with your person like snoring beside your face. You have to because that's the because if not, you don't do. love each other. Yeah, there's something wrong with that. Yeah, I don't think that it's de- design. All people are designed to spend every single night with their their partner, or maybe any nights. And because there's so many things that come into play with sleep, not everyone likes snuggling. Some people overheat. Some people just need their own space. Some people get highly anxious in the middle of the night. Um, there's, there's so many factors there and yeah, that's the standard, but, um, I will say just, is just like kind of tangenty, but also not, um, there's this great sex educator named Reed Mihalko who teaches all the ways to, if you want to be a single person and have casual sex and keep it casual, he says, don't spend the night, no slumber parties, mm. it, because that is a, a big thing that something does happen um, energetically right. and chemically with two bodies next to each other overnight, the oxytocin and you know all that stuff, all the warm snugglies that happen there, that can just, if you're not looking for more attachment, it can either, one, create more attachment or create the idea that there is more attachment. So that's just in the single world um, dating protocol. In, in the relationship world, it's, again, it's different for everyone. I personally... Um, I, if, if I, I'm, a, I'm a difficult sleeper with a lot of people... Um, where it'll be hard for my body to calm down next to them. It just depends. But if we really just, I'm bringing my hands and wrapping them around each other, energetically, not physically. Like if I can energetically feel like 
safe, it's this really great fit, um, and they don't s snore like all hell, <laughs> then um, I love sleeping next to those people. Where, you know, those people where it just feels like your bodies are made for each other. You mm -hmm. know that feeling? Mm -hmm. Had that feeling before? Mm. That is, is just like, ah. Um, I love that. But everyone's different. So I don't think there's anything wrong. If you don't want to sleep next to someone, don't sleep next to someone. They might need that, and that relationship might not work. But I wonder if there's some like bacterial thing that happens when you sleep beside each other. Like you're like inoculating. Yeah. Like you're always breathing each yeah. other. Like right now we're kind of merging with each other yeah. in a sense because we've been breathing each other's bacteria the whole time since we've been in the room. Mm, you have the best bacteria. Oh, thanks. Yours is nice too. Delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> you know, but you we really are. Like it's. I think it's. You know, like you become the product of the five people you spend the most time around. It's like yeah. I think you literally do. Like you yeah. literally are. You're you're merging with that person. You're breathing them in. And we don't really put a lot of value on the things that happen in sleep. Like we spend like, not half, well, it depends how much you sleep, but not half our lives, but a big chunk of our lives sleeping. And we're still here in this body. We might be you know, out or in dreamland, but so you're still sharing that an experience with someone. Mm. But a lot of people think that it's you're not because it's, I'm not awake for it, but there's still, there's a lot going on there, even if you're not awake for it. Mm. So. I wonder if there's some entanglement that's happening from a like a neurological perspective as well when your when your brain and body is in that that sleep state mm -hmm. if you're hooked up to another person yeah yeah it's like you're hooking up little was it EKGs things or yeah, whatever exactly. it is like, working with together yeah mm -hmm. yeah have you ever had experiences sleeping next to someone where you had um, like matching dreams or anything that felt like there was some sort of shared experience hmm. there happening in a dream state probably not that I can remember yeah I think I have before I can't remember examples of it what about sleepgasms I don't have them. You I don't? Think I think it's a myth. Really? Yeah, when people say they like jizzed while they're asleep, I'm like, really? <laughs> that happens? So you just never had it happen, but you also don't believe that it happens? Yeah, I think it's like a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> I would, that'd be great. Oh if I could God. have orgasms while I slept, that'd be awesome. I'd be oh. on board. I'd get some like plastic pants. I'm on board. I have some of my best <laughs> orgasms in my sleep. Oh, my God. My sleepgasms are, like, some of my favorite orgasms that I have. I don't jizz. There's no, like, I do, I could wake up pretty feeling pretty wet from it, like, Whoa, because, because it fe it's, it's, re it's really happening, right? Yeah. I'm not touching myself in my sleep, by the way. It's my mind bringing me to that state. And what's interesting about sleepgasms, for in my experience, is I, th I probably have about two a month or so. Mm. Um, and what happens for me is in my normal everyday life, you know, if you were, we were starting being intimate and you were starting, we were starting to touch, it would take my body and my mind and spirit all a long time to get warmed up, to go to this place of full surrender and arousal and orgasm. And, you know, it's, it's a process. Like, I'm not an easy case. I am, I am a journey. And I'm, because I'm also very, like, energy is really important to so many factors. Can you define energy? What's that? Can you define energy? Um, it's just uh, the way we show up um, with our presence. Right. So it's it's the the showing of my presence and my all the parts of me right here and how I'm showing up with that. You know, it's and and if I'm showing up here right now with my presence, but I'm also in my mind with all these other things thinking of, that I'm thinking about that really affects the what's happening right here in this little melting pot between us. So it's the unseen um, that we and and the scene, but there's the unseen part that we can just literally feel from all those things you're talking about, body language. And yeah. All of that. So. Cool. Yeah, but yeah. So, in, but my sleep, I fall asleep. I've had the Inception ones. What is it? Um, lucid dreaming, where I, I know I'm dreaming. And then I, I'd be having wet dreams all the time. Yeah, well, it's pretty I, sure. I don't. So <laughs> I, I don't everybody. have those often. But I've had <laughs> lucid dreaming dreams about sex, where in my dream I 
had an orgasm. It was very, and it, and it happens so quickly. Normal everyday state could take me 20 minutes to an hour, you know, depending on what we're doing. Sometimes it doesn't happen at all because I have so many other things I'm working with. In my sleep, because I'm de-armored, you know, I don't have my whole shield of all the aiminess in my sleep. There's some of her there, but it's different. I, in my sleep, I could just have some, usually it's like a, a body, sometimes it's someone I know or sometimes just a body with a blurry face and they just like take their finger and touch my ass and I have like five orgasms. It's like oh. orgasm, orgasm, orgasm. And then I've had those dreams where I knew I was dreaming. I could just like, I'm dreaming. Oh my God, I can have as many orgasms as I want. And I just keep on doing it and I wake up very, very, very happy and very alive. So, that's, I mean, that's my experience. I haven't figured out how to, that's the one thing I want to master. It's like, how do I bring that into the real world, right? That simplicity of being able to become aroused that quickly. Yeah. I can't do that here. I have tools, but it takes a lot longer here. You haven't figured it out yet. I have, yes, exactly, yes. I can, I'm just, I just don't understand it yet. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's, I'm like, do they I have, have new age language? Ah, <laughs> correcting me. No, I like that. That's, <laughs> A helpful <laughs> reminder that I have the if I can do it in my sleep, I have the capacity to do it here. Yeah. I just don't know how yet. And nor do I have enough patience according to other things. The so. ass. The ass has has I think it's only second to the to the, the clitoris with sensory receptors. A lot lot that, of nerve endings. Is that, is that right? Yeah. It's, I think as they say it has as many nerve endings as your lips and it's like the anus itself is has Yeah, they're pretty familiar fimil- uh, familiar, similar. It, yeah, it likes it likes some touch. Though? Yeah. How yeah. do you feel about, about ass stuff? Well, I think I'm getting better with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On which side? Which end? Who's ass? Either or. All asses. <laughs> yeah. What does it getting better mean? Oh, just more comfortable, like em- embracing all that stuff. Just like loving every square inch of your body and yeah. not having any shame around any of your parts. Yeah. I think take a shower. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not too much to ask. It makes <laughs> sense to me. So we are talking about the ass here, people. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a safe bet. But yeah, I've had shame around my ass forever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to f- starting to figure that out where I was like, oh, it's actually pretty legit. That's, How are you figuring it out? Spot. Are you touching it or having other pe- allowing other people to touch? Other people. <gasps> yeah, get on in there, Talk buddy. Talk about vulnerability. Jump on in. Yeah. Hi, dive on in. Yeah. You got some Uber lube here yeah. for you, too? Yeah, yeah we you got go. the Uber lube. It's great for anal We're play. ready to go. Yeah, it's yeah. good, long lasting. And, and men, gay men that res- r- bottoms, they end up having significantly less incidence of prostate cancer because uh-huh. they're, getting, they're getting it all. Yeah. The all ringed out. Yeah, the prostate needs needs some some love and attention. Yeah. I think embryologically, it's, it's it's the same tissue as the G spot G area tissue. Oh, that which is interesting. I mean, it's all it's all they're all the same parts, just put in different places. They get different functions. Uh, but yeah, the prostate I think is just like people. F- I'm people imagining like, like a Rubik's cube or like a Mr. You, potato Head or something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Put them all. Put my ass places. on my ear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. Get that back down there. That's magical. <laughs> that's not that funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty funny. I know. I like the Rubik's cute thing of just like moving things around, and they're all just the well, same blocks. We are kind of like that because we have different erogenous areas in different parts. Some yeah. people like really love the back of the knee, you know, yeah. or whatever. And so I'm like, why are you touching the back of my knee? But there's so Stay many the things way. that come into play there. There's there's nerve endings. Some people have more nerve endings in some places than others. Like if you look at um, you know, a vulva, a vaginal canal, and they look, there's studies that are, are looking at that some uh, some folks have a lot of nerve endings that connect to the cervix area, and some have a lot less. Some have a lot more nerve endings in the vaginal canal. Um, I think uh, we just recorded a podcast with um, Emily from Sex with Emily, mm. and she was saying that um, if 
if a female-bodied person's clitoris is actually closer, the closer it is to the vaginal canal, the entrance, the more likely are they, they to have orgasms during sex, um, sure. during penetrative sex. So it's all there's there's the anatomy part and the physiology, and then there's the stories that come with it. You know, if I had some wonderful experience with someone that I was just so into, and they just happened to touch like the pit of my arm. I, I, that could become eroticized mm. because the story, it might not be a nerve ending thing or it might be all of it, but it's just, it's, it's so dynamic. That's why I love working in sexuality because it's, it's complex shit. Mm. You have to, and you have to look at all of it. You have to, you can't just look at like one little thing like, oh, you have a pussy. You must like this kind of touch. <laughs> like, well. I like that you become Persian when you talk about, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I sell you a carpet and touch your pussy. <laughs> you will like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, carpet, pussy. Yeah, that's funny. I don't oh, even notice good. when that was I a do pun. that. Yeah, I had yeah, no idea. I did yeah. a pun. You did a pun. You did a thing. Finally, you didn't even notice. Uh, I have a question for you though, because oh, I've man. heard you talk about um, on past podcasts about um, your practices with ejaculatory control. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious about that specifically. Where you learned that about this? Why you choose to practice this, and what it does for you? Oh man, you don't have to ask answer them in that order. Triple whammy. Um, I think just reading like the books, like the Taoist books, you know. Mm. So there's like there's, there's man. yeah, that's yeah. a good, that's like a, a like a staple. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there should probably be like a pun in there somewhere. <laughs> I don't know how to, f- how to find it though. Um, I get one pun per episode. Um, but yeah, starting off with that, and then um, the thing, the big thing is just like being not liking feeling tired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that's something that that I've noticed around orgasm around ejaculation specifically where it's like afterwards you're like oh god I just want to you know take a nap and mm. kind of disengage from from life and then also disengage from my partner yeah you know and so that's something there's a, there's another um book what's his, what's his name david data yeah where he talks he gets Is into way the, way the spirit man yeah um one of the things he said in there that i really liked was uh, you'll have potentially a, a like a subconscious resentment of your partner because they're like pulling energy from you. And I've, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've noticed that. I don't know if it's exactly from that specifically, but there's something really magical about like maintaining the ember of mm-hmm. sexual arousal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you still can have a complete orgasm. Like there's yeah. really not too much of a difference mm-hmm. um, between actually outwardly ejaculating and just having an orgasm, mm-hmm. like an, an, an inward gasm or whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been on that train for like the last, I don't even know, maybe four years or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's super simple too. People can play with it. It's, it's like, as you, another thing before that, it's actually, you can build your orgasm up, which women are way more savvy with than, than men in general. For men, it's like A to B more. But if you can build yourself up to that point where you're getting close and then start to, you know, use breath and you can, there's different things. You can contract your fists and contract your toes and mm. kind of like pull energy away from your cock essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, just, you know, breath is like one of the biggest tools, um, contracting your pubococcygeal muscles mm-hmm. or like your pee muscles, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff will help to st- help to start to kind of pull energy out of like the head of your cock. Um, and so using that, what you'll find is it ends up being, this is like probably a terrible analogy, but it ends up being almost like, like, uh, 
like the real estate market. Like you'll slowly mm-hmm. gain value of your home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. so you just Over like time. if you just flip the property, mm-hmm. you're like, cool, sweet, I made ten grand. <laughs> but if you like hold on to that bitch, yeah, yeah, over time, you're like, <laughs> you're okay, like, okay, it's too slow. It's slow. You got to be patient. You know, <laughs> you're like, damn, I made a million bucks. Woo-hoo. And then they call it the million dollar point. That's, That's true. Oh, yeah. Look, at Look what I did there. Look what I did there. So you can so so that's the, the like you hold the perineum essentially it's like a diamond shaped area in mm. between the the anus and the um, the shaft of your cock, um, and so as you're getting to that point where the prostate's starting to like oh god we're gonna we're gonna come, you can hold that space. If you go too too close to it, you you missed it. It's gonna, it's gonna be like you know painful and awkward. And don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go if if coming is ten, if you're at like nine mm-hmm. anywhere nine and below then you can go in and actually you can either manually hold that space mm-hmm. and it kind of like creates like a vacuum, closes that down. Um, and then the practices around like contracting those muscles, um, you can actually do that without using your hand. Mm-hmm. But the hand is a helpful, it's, it's a helpful tool, A, if you don't have those muscles developed, B, if you get too close. Um, but so certain thing, th- things that people can do is like, this is like standard one, is like as you're peeing, you know, practice clenching mm-hmm. those PC muscles and stopping the pee. So if you take a take a piss and you know do that like five times. Every time you do that, like, pull yeah. in your, your tighten you know, release. Yep. Yeah, your scrotum will come up. They call it testicle breathing, I think is the term mm-hmm. for it. Um, ball breathing. Ball breathing. <laughs> breathing into balls. your nuts. Yeah. Yeah. But what you're doing is you is you're starting to strengthen all those muscles, which is really great for also starting to cultivate more stability, support, integrity around the pelvic floor muscles. That's mm-hmm. what you're doing. You're contracting your pelvic floor muscles. You know, so that's the, the, the foundation for your viscera, your guts. You know, so, um, yeah, I think it's like a really valuable tool. Uh, but the big thing for me is just like maintaining energy, you know, and, and I mean that energy and like more of like a, anybody in, you know, New Jersey construction worker would, would get, like just like feeling peppy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also... The resentment of the person for robbing you of your—you stole my seed. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like that's something that's really interesting. You notice with, with women usually um, after sex, they're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, Whoa! <laughs> you know, the guy's like, "Okay, God, yeah, great, that's good." It's like you're polar great. opposites. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd rather flip the tables. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather both of us feel great. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, cool, sweet, like let's, you know, we can. Have sex again or whatever. Yeah. Or go into the cold plunge in your freezer. Go into the cold plunge. Yeah. Stir yourself up. It's helpful to boost in testosterone and all that stuff. Get your so get your hormones back. So here's the part about um about the your you know energy, but what does are your orgasms uh, stronger, better? Do they did, did that shift? Do you have or longer? Longer is the big thing for me. Because you can kind of ride the wave longer. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get to a point. One thing like sex is oftentimes it's kind of like once the P goes in the V, it's like this, like, oh, like grand finale mm-hmm. for a lot of guys. For yeah. me, like for a good percentage of my 20s. It's pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> exciting. <laughs> you know, and so if you can be more chill about that, you know, and have it more like in- incorporate more sensuality into everything before sex and not have like this huge hockey stick curve of like, it's in. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> you plate your flag. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and be able to, to be like actually just maintain that that calmness. Same thing like with a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, the the P goes in the V, all of a sudden your 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 word starts mm-hmm. speeding up, you yeah. know, yeah, breathing really fast, you know, out and, in the chest. Yeah, and yeah. so and so what I find if you can make it through 
one, starting off slow, I find really valuable. Um, and just like being with that experience. And then from there, if you can make it through that first, like, I don't know, call it like 10 minutes or something like that. Um, I have found, and one would find that your endurance, if you want to use that term, um, ends up, it almost like exponentially gets greater. Mm. Like if you can make it through that initial gauntlet, then it's like, cool, we're good. We're, we can do whatever we want. Does it have the same with like running too? You, you, you. Yeah, you, you get know? into those. Yeah, yeah you yeah. get like the runners it's high. Like you, yeah, you, yeah. At first, like, oh, I hate this. Yeah. Then you get the get in the flow. You kind of push through the barrier that would yeah. have been. Yeah, and then you'll f- and then you'll find if you can push through that and you can maintain that like runners high, which that's I mean it's probably like the same state really, mm-hmm. um, like that that meditative kind of like primal place, whatever. Um, but yeah, you'll find that the orgasm will <laughs> the, the value, mm-hmm. the felt sense of the orgasm will start to get greater as well yeah you know so if you just like bust a nut it's like oh okay cool like it feels good but it's like yeah i don't know it just uh, it's it's like small it's small potatoes in comparison if you can actually cultivate that that experience it's, it's like building a fire i think yeah and there's just some like mm-hmm. out there meta analogies but that's the way it feels i have had uh, heard men had had partners say that they're just so not entertained by their orgasms. You know, they're like, I see your orgasms. They look way more exciting <laughs> right. than mine. Because right. theirs, they get this little quarter yeah. of a second, two second euphoric experience. And then it's over. And, you know, they can still maybe play a little bit, has limitations. And that's with the ejaculation, not just with orgasm. And, you know, so that's, I think this is one of the, one of the tools is to um, start to, pra- to have these practices to start to learn, either have control or separate ejaculation from orgasm. Or start playing with the prostate. You, know, you want to enhance your orgasm, yeah. so you can combine prostate stimulation with. That's really interesting other too. Touch. It like redistributes energy away from the mm-hmm. head of the cock. Yeah, but it, but it, then but it can also create that more full-bodied thing where, um, I've talked to men where their experience that was, if it was almost overwhelming because like, it was like they were coming so much in one one. I mean, they were ejaculating still in this in this yeah. session. Um, but so much was coming out for such a long period of time that Whoa. it was like also kind of terrifying for them. They were very exhausted after, of course. Yeah, I bet. Um, but I was like, well, you wanted stronger orgasms. <laughs> In one ejaculate, apparently, I got this out of the multi-orgasmic male, I think. Um, apparently, there's around 500 million little little sperms in there. Yeah, but then it's uh, only 1% sperm. The rest of it is just a bunch of fluids to make it a slip inside for the sperm. Right. So a mouthful of jizz is full of like 5 million or whatever that is. And it's just all, most of it is just like little amino acids and, and things. W- and women that have, that come in contact with jizz or semen. Um, jizz. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun uh, to say those words. I like it. I love when those When I have words. the opportunity to, I go for it. Yeah. Um, we often do talk so about they, jizz on a podcast. Yeah. So when I they, mean, more often than not, probably for some. Yeah. Um, so, but when uh, women, there's like science, there's studies around this. Uh, that come in contact with semen end up reporting uh, feeling happier. Hmm, mm-hmm. You've heard this. I I'm have sure. heard this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's yeah. there's more sciencey terminology for what happiness means. Probably like dopamine, serotonin, yeah. whatever levels or something like that. Yeah. But I think it's actually more of like a like a well-being felt state. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some kind of cosmic chemistry there where there's like women coming in contact with that. Um, I think there's probably some like evolutionary thing. Like they feel like they're like. Cool, like yeah, I'm doing the thing. Yeah, doing we're the pr- thing. We're procreating. Yeah, yeah, we're procreating. It's <laughs> actually, and it's even if I don't want babies, this body's still designed it's for doing that. the thing. It is. It's still trying. It's always trying to do that thing. Like, I'm not ain't going that direction, but it's still going to do the thing. <laughs> One thing I teach people. So you're talking about um, 
you talk about like slowness in yeah. not just like, oh, the, you know, the P goes in the V and you just start going for it. Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah. Um, one thing that I often say on our podcast and then um, with clients and I'm, when I teach workshops, as I say, it's my little my tagline. I say, um, go slower than slow and then go slower than whatever you thought slow was. You know, oh, so right. you're, you're yeah. slowing down, but whatever you think your version of slow is, turn that down a couple notches. And, it is in, and hard and fast and all that, it serves a time and place. Um, but there's so much s- wonderful sensations in that slowness, and I think that in our our culture, especially um, if with you know the whip, and I'm not anti-porn. I'm anti-porn as a sex educator, but with the way that we've been taught through porn, it's just fast and hard. And, you know, it's oh my god, it's, yeah. just, that's what we're taught. Um, so people just don't know. They don't know what is there when we slow down. That there is more control. There is more sensations there. There is more connection. And for, for for all kinds of reasons, and I can tell you when it comes to touching them, the pussies, they love them some slow for a long, long, long time. And mm. there are moments they'll be like, I just want you to fuck me. And that's usually not in the first five seconds or minute or usually not five minutes, too. It's usually a longer period of time. And so one thing I tell uh, my clients and, or the people I teach if they want to learn how to please the, please the vulva, please the pussy, um, I tell them, go get a professional massage, not a HJ, not not a happy ending massage. Professional massage. I think we'd be a healthier society if there were more HJs not professionally. Too. I'm not anti that. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying go ahead and do that. But for this lesson, <laughs> this le- lesson, I say go get a regular professional massage, not your $25 foot massage in the spa, little the foot massage spa. Like we're talking your $80 and up massage where they have you on the table What's the first thing they do? They take their hands, they get them nice and frictiony and lubricated in whatever oil that they're using. So they don't put dry hands on your body. So don't put dry hands on the bits. The bits like moisture. Mm. Um, it's a mucous membrane. That's what it likes, wet on wet. And you want to get them all warmed. And then they don't just start putting it on your body and rubbing all around and getting crazy. You're, you know, you're a body worker. You know this. What's the first thing that they do? You know, they take their hands, say if they're going on your back, and they set them, and then they just usually just let them rest there, right? They're not moving, really. They're just, like, letting the skin on skin and the energy on energy acclimate to each other for however long that is. Is it 30 seconds? Is yeah. it a minute? I think, like, go- walking into somebody's house. Yeah. You don't come in and just, like, <laughs> open up their fridge. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I like, know people that do that. <laughs> oh, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know. yeah, but yes, But you I come get in, it. and you kind of, like, should I take my shoes off? Yeah. Should I, like, what's, like, you, you're figuring yeah. out the customs. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to come in and just start banging around. And so, <laughs> banging. Yep, said go. it. Yep. Um, and then what they start to do, so they let the skin on skin acclimate, and then they start to kind of either, what, rock back and forth. Again, they're just kind of waking it up, waking up your, your back and, and that connection there and starting to bring the blood flow there. But it's this gradual build. And the same thing goes for touching the pussy. And penises like this, too. A lot of them just don't know that they like it because they're used to fast and hard. You know, mm. it's like the shock value. It's so exciting. Mm. Um, just like the money shot. It's very exciting. Mm. And but so, when, so there's a, a sex educator named Midori. She does a lot of rope bondage stuff. But she mm. calls it the pussy hug. So you're well lubricated hand. The first thing it does when it comes to touch the pussy, the vulva, the external anatomy, is it just kind of cups it and hugs it. And doesn't even move and just hangs out there. Hmm. And then it, when it starts to move, it kind of can do some rocking. Like my hand's kind of rocking around in a very slow circular motion. Or maybe just like some up and down. But as if, you, regarding as if you're, it's a massage. You know, and starting to warm up this part of the body. And you're really going super slow. And it will do similar things like what you got to teach yourself with your orgasmic process of 
you're slowly building this. You use a real estate analogy, but there you right. <laughs> I don't think that's going to relate to a lot of people. Let's go with the wave. Um, <laughs> if you recently bought a house, yeah, then, <laughs> for like the three people or listening, real estate agent, yeah. yeah, but it just <laughs> it just builds it builds them up, and then they can they feel safe and they can relax, and they're like, okay, you're not just trying to like poke and prod me, and then when you go into internal stimulation, you do the same thing all over again. You're moving into a new area. You hang out. You know, you put fingers or a penis or whatever like this. In everything, this is you don't. You have to do this all the time, but especially if you don't know this vulva. And the same thing goes for the ass too. Like you, you hang out for a while. Let the bodies acclimate. Let them know energetically that they're safe here, and that I, I honor you, and I'm not going to push you beyond where you're at. And I hope that we're communicating. And then I can move a little faster over time or just add a little more speed and a little more pressure, but you're just building it. Mm. It's a, I mean, it's, it's an art, but it's not a heady art. It's an embodied art of, and again, you need to be present to be there to do that. Mm. Yeah. So go get a massage. <laughs> you're, like you're, you're, you're a body worker. You know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, whatever. I think it's yeah, figuring <laughs> out. I yeah. still have like a lifetime of, of porn unwind, I think. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. We all do. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Yeah. That's like, uh, it's, yeah. I Again, it's entertainment. It's quick shock value. Yeah. I've had some great orgasms to it, and it's definitely messed with my mind in regards to what I think sex should be at times that I've had to do a lot of work to try to undo. When is the time and place for, for like the, the jackrabbit hard and fast? When the body is just like, I just want to fuck, but both bodies feel that. You know, like you're, you know, as a, as a, having a female body, I can feel that in my body. It's, there's just this energy in me. It's like, oh, I just like want you to fuck the shit out of me. Like that feeling. Mm. That's when you do the jackrabbit. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully they communicate. But if the body's not there, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. And some people can get there, you know, some women get there every time. Some people can get there really quickly. Um, but I think for most female body folks, it takes a lot for them to get there. Uh, but it's not to say that it doesn't serve I me mean, because it can be wonderful when you're there. Yeah. Uh, but you just have to fully be there. And you can feel the the vulva or the the, the vagina, the, the clit yeah. specifically start to engorge. Yeah become tumescent is mm-hmm. a fancy, mm-hmm. fancier yeah. term for it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like an, a really valuable indicator to determine like when is it appropriate to, to enter. Yeah. Yeah? Totally. Yeah. Well, it's, it's better. It's a better indicator than moisture because wetness happens for so many different reasons. It can yeah. be based, you can be antihistamines and you don't get a lot of vaginal fluid. And, right. Um, so yeah, engorge because it's all erectile tissue. So when the, you see that the vulva or the pussy, all of that getting getting engorged it means that it shows that they're uh, is the is, is the vagina engorged or is it just the clit or is the the whole thing all of it, i think i mean i think all of the it clit is a reptile all the way around yes it looks yeah, like the a wishbone big, a yeah. big like mustache yeah. or something like a sea alien creature yeah it's a little wishbone for <laughs> like da, da, da. yeah it's funny when i did my um i went to school minored in human sexuality at san francisco state and then did a whole training to be a certified sex educator during that time, that was all 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, around there. No, it's it 2000. Yeah, anyways, it was, it was, I think, up until 2008. They did not know about the wishbone that the clit was that big. Then. Yeah, or so it's a little pee. They, yeah, they were just a little nub, that little yeah. thing. And so I wasn't taught that then. It wasn't when I was learning those things. It was later on. I think, I think they first discovered that and really publicized that. I think it was like 2010. Um, and... I think, who told me that? I think it was Wednesday Martin who told me that. Uh, and 
And now, so now we know that it's just that, you know, you can't see all of that, but yeah, it's all erectile tissue. And the vaginal canal, I believe is all erectile tissue too. It's just like internal erectile tissue mm. as well. But the vaginal canal usually makes more space. Yeah. Usually doesn't get like puffy, make that makes it tighter. It usually makes more space. The cervix goes up when someone gets aroused to make more space because we're all trying to have babies, right? That's what the body thinks. Yeah. Um, and Sucker. that's... Yeah. <laughs> Damn you, buddy. Got yes. you. We're not on the same page. You are not agreeing with each other. It's not what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's all, again, like same parts, just put in different places. So, have you heard the book Come As You Are? Uh-huh. This woman, Emily, oh, I forgot her last name. It's a wonderful book, but she, that's kind of what her premise is. One, that we live in a penis centric culture, and the models for what women or female bodied folks should should like is based on what the penis likes or what we think the penis should like. Oh, wow. And Patriarchy of sexuality. Yeah, but we're conditioned. Damn. We don't even know it. Women fighting back again. Yeah, we're back. Every angle. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but so behind. We're so behind. I mean, I have, I have clients who are women in their 30s who and 40s and 50s who are married, and they're like, I don't know why I don't want to fuck my husband anymore. And I'm like, okay, well, what kind of sex are you having when you do? And it's like pounding jackrabbity yeah, right. like, okay well, or at first of all what happens before that and it's that same thing of you know we kiss for two minutes or one minute even if we're lucky a lot of partner people stop kissing um, then they rub my nipples for five seconds and then they start poking my pussy and then, and then we start fucking and I'm like hmm yeah no wonder you don't want to fuck your husband anymore but they think these women think there's something wrong with them they're the broken ones mm. in their eyes because that's not what they, that's what they see places. And then Wednesday Martin in her what's her book called? Something Truth. Untrue. Untrue. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. She like gets the female into female Chris Ryan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. She gets into how uh, women have even more of a tendency than men to want to. Uh, what's the word? Not promiscuous. Oh yeah. To it's a for other. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's for a, newness. There's a great word for it. Yeah, newness. There's a word I was trying to I'm brain farting on. That she uses in the, uh, No, yeah. no, it's just a standard word. Okay. More um Variety. Un- dis unfaith, mm. but that sounds like a, a, a slat. Anyways, but <laughs> but variety. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, so like the, the typical thing. And from yeah. an evolutionary perspective, it would make sense that a man wants to like have sex with everything and a woman yeah. wants to like tend the home. Mm-hmm. But she gets into how uh, yeah, women have a tendency after like a year or whatever the time frame is of like, wow, I want something different. Yeah. I feel like I'm broken perhaps because of that or I don't like sex. Something wrong with me. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it's in, that's that um that male infidelity. That's infidelity. What I was yeah. Looking for. infidelity. Okay, yeah, cheating, infidelity, yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, that male bodies, you know, they have more testosterone so they easily get more spontaneous sex drive. Female bodies get a lot of spontaneous sex drive in the beginning when everything's new and exciting, it's the lust phase. Then when they start to habituate, estoprel does work around this too. Mm. Um, very similar. I, I I identify as painfully straight, but I have a major crush on both of those women, and <laughs> they're both just like, oh my god, you're brilliant. Um, then and so and so, th- but over time, you know, after six months to a year to two years, depending on your relationship, for the f- the female body person who's more estrogen driven. They don't have as much spontaneous sex drive usually. Some people still do. I know plenty of women who are hor- crazy horny all the time. It's just, I'm like, do you, do you have more testosterone in you? I want what you have. And they're like, it's annoying. Like, I don't think so. Anyways. Um, but over time, what they find is that, so that, yes, male bodies have more sex drive if you're talking spontaneous or libido. But it, and this is, again, what Wednesday Martin would say is that, um, but fe- but female body folks might ha- are exact completely equal, if not more, with responsive sex drive, and um, 
meaning over time now they need the newness, the excitement, um, the the new energy from other people, the new appreciation and you know admiring, feeling special and wanted, desired. They have a desire for that um, just as equally as men, but they're actually maybe even more so. Mm. Um, and so that that it doesn't mean that there's less or more of anything, that they're equal players, that but operating differently often. Yeah, all the standards just mess us up. Yeah. All the things of like, I think I'm supposed to feel this way, and then you have this, you're in this like double bind situation. Mm-hmm. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, we got to wrap this thing yeah, up. Yes, wrap we it gotta, up. Normally, that's that's longer than What are we doing? I even look. Hour 20? Do you, so you you usually do, are you, are you like an hour, 50 minutes person? What do you do? Oh, usually? whatever. I just yeah. let it, you know, whatever. We usually around an hour. Yeah. Um, so where should people go for learning more about your stuff? I think you're just fabulous. S- I, just, I had so much fun with this. My things. Um, okay, so I wear many hats in this world, but I'm going to simplify it and just say shameless sex. Yeah, you, um, yeah, Usually one point's the best. One point's the best. So I have a podcast as well. It's called Shameless Sex. I know it's a very crafty name. No one had shamelesssex.com. I don't know why. Wow. But I do. Um, with my co-host, April, who's like me on eight cups of coffee. So if you think that he needed to turn up the heat and give me some hot tea to calm me down, <laughs> I don't know what you would do with her. Put her in the sauna maybe and then podcast with her. She's, oh, we could do that. Yeah. yeah and then nice. she'd be like... Ah, she's wonderful, though. She's one of my best friends. Um, so we do this podcast together. We do a weekly episode every Tuesday. It's on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, all the things. And um, you can learn more on our website at shamelesssex.com. I also have my information on there, and I work with clients either in person um, or through Skype or Zoom um, on their sex and relationship stuff as well. And I teach workshops. Um, but just go to Shameless Sex and you'll learn more. But tell me about yours because I'm putting this on my episode too. Mm. I might, I'm going to say on mine. Well, we're, this is we're swapping. The so. Align Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. People want to check. The, I mean, obviously they're they're prone towards audio. They're audio. How do you call that? Philia? Yeah. Audiophiliacs maybe? Oh, like is, is, that is that when they have a fetish? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have an audio <laughs> fetish. I get really turned on when I listen. Yeah. So I have this podcast called Align Podcast that people are listening to right now on the Align Podcast. So I apologize for this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened to the dual <laughs> release, though. Maybe they forgot where they were for a second. They're like, oh, yeah. That's who I am. Good point. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that for the last freaking four years. And oh, I've, really? Yeah. Okay, awesome. So I've had all sorts of people that be relevant on this, so like my friend Jaya and Sherry Winston and yeah. Chris Ryan, a lot of people in like the sexual. I'm just interested in health and wellness yeah. and movement, but how then also how like the emotions and all that other, those other aspects kind of entwine to, to form the way that you stand in your body. Mm-hmm. So I do interviews with people about that. And you work, you're a, a, a rolfer, right? You're I rolfer. am a rolfer. I say that right. I went to the school for the, for, yeah, rolfing structural integration. Rolfing. Rolfing. <laughs> terrible name. I do want to just work say, on branding it's a terrible that, that name. Mofo. Uh, rolfing saved my life. I'm just going to put a shout out oh, there good. to rolfing. I'll give you a little testimonial. I didn't get it from you, but I had I'm a. pretty great. Oh, yeah, but I bet you're pretty <laughs> great. And I had this uh, sciatica <laughs> thing when I was like 25, and it was one of those things, it was a chronic pain, had it for a year, tried all the things. And I did one rolfing session from someone and it completely changed my life. Mm. In fact, it, I, I wouldn't call myself the most flexible, but it made me even more flexible than I had been cool. ever. And um, so I am a big believer well, in rolfing. good from like a, it's like slower, doesn't always need to be deep. It could be like visceral manipulation or mm-hmm. cranial cigarette. There's so many different things that fall under the umbrella of rolfing. Still terrible to say. Rolfing. Rolfing. Ugh. Yeah. Structural integration is a better term for it. I like that. Um, but it's really helpful tool for like contact. You okay. know, to learning that that slow, deep 
contact allows the person's nervous system to catch up with where the therapist is at, mm-hmm. as opposed to me imposing my demands upon you by shaking and rubbing and twisting. And your nervous system's like ah. three miles in the back, and I'm I'm all the way up at your shoulder. Mm. So there's something really valuable to learning that that kind of slower, sometimes deeper contact, where the person's actually able to meet you exactly where you're at, and they unwind their own tissue Mm -hmm. as opposed to you fluffing through their whole thing yeah anyways um so we gotta wrap up i got i got my my uh my my human here wait will you say your website oh alignpodcast.com oh there you go jump on alignpodcast.com yeah there's like movement stuff there's an online program all this stuff yeah perfect good timing boom thanks so much over and out don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.